Well, we're trying to mix it up a little bit in our annual meeting. It, it's been so much of a business meeting that we're trying to do something a little bit different this year, and yet I want you to know that this year is a little bit of a transition, uh, that uh, next year will be uh, different in the way that we do reports and things like that, uh, because what we would like to do is to actually, rather than give you statistics and data, that we would like to show you the work that God is doing in our midst. And so I do hope that you are able to see in the annual meeting, if not this year, certainly next year, starting, how the Holy Spirit of God works and when Jesus is preached in a place. The Advent, uh, I have come to understand and have known for quite some time, uh, that we're one of a kind. Uh, this is not a self-congratulatory remark. It's a statement of fact. Uh, we are different because of a fundamental commitment to the proclamation of the gospel. We are unwavering in our commitment to proclaim the good news that God himself has rescued us through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some months ago, I preached a sermon in which I asked folks to raise their hand if they grew up in a tradition outside of the Episcopal Church, and nearly 90% of the 9 and 11 o'clock congregations raised their hand. The Advent is a unique place. Uh, there are no Presbyterians here, no Baptists, no Episcopalians, no Methodists, only the Advent. We do have our distinctives as Anglicans, but one of the great distinctives of Anglicanism is that we profess a faith that we believe is the faith of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. That the Reformers were not trying to invent something new, but were getting back in touch with the early church and the fathers uh, of old in order to have that continuity of apostolic teaching. And the Advent stands right in the middle of that. And yet what we see in our world in a lot of mainline denominational churches is not a looking at the gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, but rather doubling down on a denominational identity. When I read that only 4% of Episcopal churches in the United States have an average Sunday attendance of 300 or more, I'm surprised by that. Even on our snow day, on January the 8th, we had 328 people in church. When I was speaking with Bishop Laurent Mbanda of Shira Diocese in Rwanda about Sunday attendance, I asked him, what percentage, Bishop, of your churches in your diocese have over 300 people in Sunday attendance? He replied, all of them, 100%. 175 churches with 300 or more in attendance. Now, it would be very easy for us to get a big head and rest on our laurels, but this is not what God calls us to do. Quite frankly, it's not about numbers, but they are a helpful indicator of the vitality of a congregation. By way of comparison, allow me to share some statistics, which I said I wasn't going to bombard you with, but here they are. According to the Episcopal Church's Research and Statistics Department, this is the official arm of research for the Episcopal Church, the average local Episcopal Church has 1.4 weddings a year, 4.2 baptisms a year, 2.4 confirmations a year, and the median average Sunday worship attendance is 58. And all of these numbers are dropping precipitously from each year to the next. 
The Advent, by way of comparison, can report the following from this past year. 28 weddings, 39 baptisms, 51 confirmations, an average attendance on Sundays of 1,141 people. Bishop Bonda's answer makes me realize that Jesus Christ, who has the power to save and transform, is still at work in the world today, for we serve a living God. Where many have allowed the gospel to diminish, I trust that the Advent will double down on proclaiming to Birmingham, Alabama, the United States, and to the ends of the earth that Jesus Christ saves. Not only do we believe this, we put it into practice. Because of our commitment to the preaching of the Word of God, most especially the good news of Jesus Christ, we are morning prayer parish. The proclamation of the gospel is central to our gatherings together. This in no way denigrates Holy Communion, but places it where the Bible places it, in the context of the preached Word. We hear the Word of God through the readings and the sermon, and then we have the visible Word in the sacrament of the Lord's body and blood, a visual embodiment of the gospel message. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for thee, and feed on him in thy heart by faith and with thanksgiving. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for thee, and be thankful. When the gospel is preached, the Holy Spirit of God enlivens faith in the heart of the believer, and we truly have fellowship with God, and he has made our hearts not only his home, but his throne. Because of this unflinching trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ, we have seen that 2016 was a fruitful year for the Advent, but the growth has created challenges. In my address last year, I talked about the trellis and the vine. This image has served as a model for how we want to do ministry here. If you would like to read the book, you can get it through our bookstore on discount. And as a reminder, the vine is a relational ministry work the pure proclamation of the gospel. And the trellis is the support necessary to ensure the proclamation happens. The trellis supports the vine work. The two are inseparable. You can have a growing vine, but without the trellis, it becomes unruly and begins to take over and move into areas it shouldn't. So too, you can have a beautiful and well-made trellis, but what good is a trellis without a vine? To that end, we want to see our vine grow, but understanding that the health of our vine is contingent upon the support of our trellis. If the ministry is growing too fast, we need to make sure our trellis is not pulling off the wall or coming apart. If our vine is not growing, we need to move our focus there. And so our focus right now is primarily on the vine work while ensuring the trellis supports the ministry we are trying to grow. Our budget is reflecting this shift. We are spending money on people, not programs. Some programs are necessary and good, but we want to see discipleship happening in the context of relationships. The Advent has a big trellis and a growing vine, which makes tending to both difficult. One person cannot do it all. It's a very hard place to get the 30,000-foot view. So to that end, we have embarked on a visioning and strategic planning process. 
This time of prayer and discernment is not meant to question our identity, which I've just articulated, but to help us get a better idea of what we need to be doing to tend the vine and shore up the trellis. The process is underway and has involved a cross-section of Adventists. We will also be looking for involvement and feedback from you regarding the substance of the process. We began with a group of 25, which is now expanded to a working group of 75 in what we are calling strategic priorities. The former group helped craft that identity and purpose statements, and I'm going to share those with you right now. Our identity statement. The Advent is a church with a living, daring confidence in God's grace through the, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Advent is a church with a living, daring confidence in God's grace, grace through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our purpose statement. The Advent exists to proclaim the freeing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples wherever God has placed us. The group of 75 has been divided up into the following groups to take a look at each of these areas. Worship, discipleship, ministry development, outreach, shepherding, communication. And you can find there in your cream-colored sheet what each of those groups' marching orders are. We have no agenda in this process other than to discern prayerfully God's will for the Advent. No one will be telling the groups what to do. Their marching orders are just what you have heard me say to you. They are to prayerfully discern where God is leading us in each of these areas of ministry at the Advent. Even some of the statements that I wish were a little bit different, I really don't get a say in. They are what the group has prayerfully come to the place of. Charles Mason, who many of you know from his time as the superintendent of the Mountain Brook School System, has been guiding us through the process and will continue to do until its conclusion sometime this year. Aside from your input, we want you to be engaged in engaging your fellow parishioners in this process. For decades, the Advent has struggled to communicate with over 4,000 people. If this is going to work, we need you. As we navigate this visioning and strategic planning, some are worried about change. Some things have changed over the last 16 months, namely around the format of our Sunday bulletin, our liturgy, and staffing. I firstly want to apologize for any hurt that I have caused in this regard. I'll admit I did not adequately consider the feelings surrounding change. Even though I grew up in the Episcopal Church, I'd forgotten just how conservative Episcopalians are. We hate change, even if it is for the good. After we changed the bulletin format to the format we now know, one woman summed it up well when she came up to me and said, the change in the bulletin format is a really good idea. I hate it. But change is an absolute necessity in any organization that wants to stay the same, much less grow. The great G.K. Chesterton remarked, conservatism is based on the idea that if you leave things alone, you leave them as they are. But you do not. If you leave a thing alone, you leave it to a torrent of change. If you leave a white post alone, 
it will soon be a black post. If you particularly want it to be white, you must always be painting it again. That is, you must be always having a revolution. Briefly, if you want the old white post, you must have a new white post. This does not mean, of course, that we should change our message to be relevant. We must, in order to maintain our identity as the Advent, find a culturally acceptable vehicle. That is the culturally acceptable vehicle to the Advent, not the world, to move the gospel out into the world. Many people, in arguing strongly for keeping things the way they are, are actually arguing for an illusion of continuity. But echoing Chesterton, if you keep things the same, they won't stay as they are. In fact, things like our changes in liturgy are reversals back to an earlier day. They are an undoing of previous innovations. We have not moved from the prayer book to the prayer book according to Andrew, but we have moved from a distorted prayer book, which promises to become more so with a revision in the coming years, to a prayer book rooted in historical Anglicanism. We were able to make these changes only because of the allowance of the General Convention of the Episcopal Church and the approval of our bishop. I believe that had these changes been allowable before 2015, based on my conversations with the two previous deans, we would have seen them made at the advent before I even became the dean. Again, I do not say that we have managed change well over the past year. But those changes are to ensure the Advent can be the Advent in the years to come. It may mean that we have to endure a little pain now, but I believe that that is preferable to much pain later on. As the managing partner of a large Birmingham law firm once told me, I like the way things, they, things, I like the way things are at my firm, but I don't want to see it go down on my watch either. One of the great dangers in mainline Protestant churches is to mistake nostalgia for tradition. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism and nostalgia is the dead faith of the living, Yaroslav Pelikan once said. One of the ideas to come out of the Reformation, which brought the New Testament back into focus, is the principle of semper reforma, we are always under the authority of the Bible and must be shaped by it, always reforming. Otherwise, we place ourselves over the Word of God and we have it conform to us. This year we gave over a ton and a half Bibles away. If you are one who has taken a Bible, and statistically, you are one who has taken a Bible, I pray that you not only read it and study it prayerfully, but that you bring it with you for sermons and classes. Engage with the text. Open the word and allow God to speak to you. The more time we spend together in the word of God, the more we will hear God's voice and the closer we will grow together as a body of, as the church. This is our commitment, as it has ever been for the coming year, that we would, with love and compassion, preach good news to those who walk in darkness to the fainting or brokenhearted, that there is a God who has come to rescue. We live this out here at the Advent through our four hearts, a heart for the gospel, 
That is the person and work of Jesus Christ. A heart for those who have not heard the gospel. A heart for those who have been burned by the church. And a heart for the city of Birmingham. We are in the midst of our visioning process to discern prayerfully what God's will is for the Advent and to make clear our way in our next season of life together. We want to be good stewards of time, talent, and treasure given to the Lord's Church here in downtown Birmingham, not only from recent years, but from decades and decades before. The gospel has been preached, shared, and embodied here for generations. That is not something that will ever change. I pray. As Jesus was in the business of relational ministry, so should we be as well. Let us, in the coming year and for the generations to come, tend to the vine, ensure we have a solid trellis to grow upon, and move into the future with confidence in the Lord Jesus. I close with Paul's opening words to the church in Philippi. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And may his name be praised here at the Advent, now and until he comes again. Amen. Amen.